You are Locked On Boston College, your daily podcast on the Boston College Eagles, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. This is Locked On Boston College. I am your host, AJ Black. Today, we are here to talk about Syracuse, and I am so excited. I have a special guest today. Dan Rubin is going to be joining us uh, later on in the show to talk about the history of Boston College and Syracuse, some of the big moments. We're going to bring up that big D word, Diamond Ferry, and we're going to talk about where the rivalry sits as Boston College is 4-3 and three and Syracuse is 1-6. and six. So clearly, these two schools are kind of in different spots at this point. Uh, before we do, though, I want to talk about our podcast. This is only our first week of our show going five days a week on Lockdown Boston College. And I want to give you some ways to make sure that you are staying you know, tuned in and, and uh, getting all of our podcasts live. If you have not already, Lockdown Boston College is found on every podcast directory, whether it's Stitcher, Spotify, iTunes, Google Podcasts. You can find it everywhere. Or you can go to the Lockdown Podcast Network website and you can just listen to it on your browser. Easiest way to do it, probably to put it in one of those podcast directories, hit the subscribe button, you'll get every episode. I do this Monday through Friday. And as you see today, I have guests, I have my opinions, I have analysis, I'm going to do previews, I'm going to do reviews, I'm going to do everything that you're going to want to keep up to date with Boston College. Um, I'm really excited, and I've been getting a lot of great feedback from some of the fans. So if you haven't already started listening, go back and listen to some of the other episodes, too. We've had some uh, talk this week about recruiting. We looked at the Clemson game for a couple episodes with Eric Hofsis. There's, there's a lot of great things that are going on. Now, yes, before we get into Syracuse, yesterday I gave what I call the recruiting extravaganza. And the recruiting extravaganza, I went over everything in the class of 2021. But I felt like I only had 25 minutes to do it, that I kind of glanced over something. And there's a name that everyone wants to know about, and that is Drew Kendall. And I mentioned him just a little bit, but I feel like I want to dive in to where this um, recruiting situation is so you get a better idea. Now, if you didn't listen yesterday, that's okay. Drew Kendall is the son of legendary Boston College uh, guard Pete Kendall. And he's a local kid. He goes to school close to Boston College. He's a four-star recruit, uh, according to 247 Sports. And, you know, he's got a lot of great offers. At this point, he has basically whittled it down to four schools. It's Stanford, Boston College, Michigan, and Duke. I don't really see Duke as being at the same level the other three. So we're just going to we're gonna remove them from this discussion. So it's been a while. You know, we've been hearing for months that he hasn't made a decision. It's been a slow roll. And the reason that he hasn't made a decision was because he really wanted to visit Stanford. Obviously, being local, he's been to Boston College. He's never met Jeff Halfley in person. Um, I don't think he did this spring. He might have. Um, and he's already been to Michigan. So he wanted to, you know, he wants to do his due diligence and he wanted to get to, to Stanford. He did that last week. Of course, he it's a recruiting dead period, meaning... Coaches cannot meet with recruits live, uh, so he probably just you know toured the school, walked around, looked at it. Still no answer. Now, where does that mean for his decision? Now, I like to read tea leaves, 
and not like really leave tea leave not really read tea leaves, but I like to look at a situation. So to some context with Drew Kendall, a lot of times, you know, I cover for BC Bulletin, I cover recruiting as part of my coverage on the site. I reach out to kids, I talk to kids, I talk to coaches. Drew Kendall is one of the quieter kids. He does not a kid that goes out and, and brags about his offers. He, you know, he's very close to the vest. He does not talk a lot about where he's, you know, leaning or anything like that. Um, and I, th- I respect that. I think that's a really cool thing about this kid. Um, but one of the tea leaves that I get out of all of this is a lot of times a kid will visit a school and it'll just blow up in their mind and they'll immediately commit. Like you'll see it, like a kid will go and visit Boston College and they're like, two days later, you'll, you'll see that they've committed to the, to the Eagles. Kendall hasn't committed yet to Stanford, and it may just be that he's going to continue to slow roll his his process and, and go through the, the motions, but I'm not sure about that. I wonder if he, maybe Stanford didn't have all of the things that he was looking for. So I still think that Boston College is going to be a um, a the, the team that he ends up with. I think he's going to be a legacy, and he ends up at Boston College. Um, the reason I don't think Michigan – is I mean I said it yesterday. Michigan is not a team that's in good shape right now. They're a team that has underperformed. They're not playing well. Um, I don't think he ends up at Michigan. So I would say Boston College, but unfortunately, I know a lot of you guys are just jonesing for him to commit. I don't think he's going to commit for a while. I think it's going to probably be one of those decisions that comes down to the wire. So Boston College luckily has those spots open. I don't think he's a position that like they're holding off other kids to get in. Um, they they may have a few out there that they might want to, but I think you know they're just gonna if he wants to join, they're gonna find a spot for him. So that's my thoughts on Drew Kendall right now. And speaking of Michigan, I think it's important to I kind of alluded it with Tyler, um, not Tyler Martin, Louis Hansen, that there are recruits that are local that just don't fit the scheme or the personnel needs of Boston College. So there are a few kids that went to Michigan. Um, Tyler Martin, who's a 2022 kid, and Louie Hansen, who is a tight end in the class of 21, that are both local kids that Boston College didn't push for. Tyler Martin, Boston College didn't offer at all. And Louie Hansen was a kid that they pushed in terms of he's a local kid, they wanted to get there, but he was not high on their list. So I think it's really important to think when you see local kids that go elsewhere, many times they're not kids that Boston College is, is big on. And you're going to see Jeff Halfley pushing for a lot of kids. I mean, gosh, he's got six or seven already from Massachusetts in the next two classes already committed. You know, he's going to get the guys that he wants and he's got to push for the guys that he wants. And he's building a culture here that'll get those kids here. But there may be some kids that may also have high ratings that just don't fit. Now, Tyler Martin, when you look at him, he's not the type of linebacker that fits in the Boston College defense. He's a bigger kid. He's not quick. And I think that's what Boston College really wants to get for their their linebacker. So it makes no sense to get him because he's also not fast enough to be a, a defensive end. So they were, they were not a big deal. It was not a big deal for him to go there. You're not going to get every kid from Massachusetts to commit to Boston College. And you shouldn't want every kid from Boston, from Massachusetts to commit to BC because if this school was just bought Massachusetts kids, we'd be at the basement of the ACC. Believe me, you're going to get the kids that you want. 
You're going to try to get those elite kids. You know, Ty Chan's one that you're going to want to watch for moving forward. He's a four-star offensive tackle. You're going to get kids like that. You're going to get that um, uh, Tonell, Josiah Tonell from uh, St. John's Prep. Another kid, four-star, 2023. Those are the kids you're going to battle for as long as that's players that fit Jeff Halfley's scheme. He, he's a good coach. He's going to recruit well no matter where he, he's aiming. And so I, I would really watch for where Boston College um, makes those offers around here because you could see the players that they're going to want to get. And, you know, and I would just say if, if they're not the players and they, they end up somewhere else, you got to chill. You know what helps me chill? Coors Light. Coors Light is my beer to go to when I need to chill. You know, when I have work, friends, family, I have a million things that are pressing me. I need to hit that button to chill. And when I do, I reach for a Coors Light. It's made to chill. There's only one beer out there that's literally made to chill, and that's Coors Light. It's cold. It's refreshing. And, you know, it's a great beer for sports. If you're just chilling watching sports, and we all do, you know, we can't really go out anymore. So what's better than just to sit home and watch the Mac, which is on now, or Pac-12, which is kicking off this weekend? Watching that pack after twelve, uh, pack twelve after dark with a beer, a Coors Light, nothing beats that. It's the be- It's it doesn't matter what team or sports playing. It's the official beer of watching any sport, and Coors Light is the official beer to just drink beer. It's cold lagers. It's cold filtered and cold packaged. It's literally made to chill. So Coors Light is the one I choose when I need to unwind. So when you need to hit reset, reach for the beer that's made to chill. Get Coors Light in the new look delivered straight to your door at get.coorslight.com. Coors Light. Celebrate responsibly. Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado. This is Locked On Boston College. This is AJ Black. With me, I have Dan Rubin. Dan Rubin is one of the – he's a writer for bceagles.com and Eagles Unlimited. Dan, how you doing? Hey, thanks for having me. It's uh, it's getting dark early, which means that the only thing that'll keep me from falling asleep on the couch is talking football. <laughs> now, if you if you haven't heard me talk about this before, Dan and I used to host a podcast together many moons ago. Um, we won't even tell you the name of it because we're just going to keep that out of it for now. But we used to we used to we we did this quite a bit. Dan had the host chair most of the time, and I was more of his co-host. And then we kind of we morphed on from that. Um, Dan, talk a little bit before we get into it. What are you writing about? What is kind of your role right now at BC Eagles? Well, you know, so football season's been fun for me because it gave me kind of an, it just it's they've given me an opportunity there to to write about the team and be able to to spread my wings with with coverage, which is which is great. And and obviously with football with football season, it's been uh, a ton of fun, especially this year with the team. Uh, over the the span of of the year, uh, do a lot of coverage of some of the other sports. I know I just wrote about uh, cross country heading to the ACC championships. Uh, well, later on, uh, I I know I've done uh, I've done some women's basketball, which is which has been a, a blast for me over the last year, covering and, and embedding with the team. Um, lacrosse over the last few years, basically any feature stories too. So anything that gets that gets brought up, the the, the student interest stories. Uh, that are that are some really great stuff. I know that, that I, I I preach to the choir every time I say that there's some some really phenomenal student athletes at, at BC that are doing some really really phenomenal stuff, and uh, being able to tell their stories is uh, is is a true treat in in every sense of the word, and a, and a great opportunity that I'm that I'm so grateful for. 
Yeah, you do some you do some really great things, Dan. And um, uh, you talk about the student athletes and some of the great things they do. You you see them start at BC and they start to do things. You know, with the election that just went through, and you know, voter advocacy and the Black Lives Matter stuff. They did a whole bunch of things like that. And then you see what they progress into when they become adults. And you see guys like Justin Simmons. I just saw a whole story on him uh, in the last week doing, um, I think he's doing Christmas shopping for 31 families. He calls it the 31 uh, Foundation. Mm -hmm. And, you know, just doing great things. So Boston College, you know, you want to root for them because you like the school, but you also, these are some of the kids that are doing some really great things and they really live up to Boston College's philosophy. Oh yeah, hundred uh, percent. You mentioned the voting voter advocacy. I actually did a story that, that came out yesterday during uh, during election day on Tuesday, or when uh, when we dropped it. And and you know, I, I said when I was interviewing them uh, to get ready for the story, I said, you know, it's so strange because like you know, when we we do interviews and we we talk to coaches or is like that dynamic where like they're in the hot seat and we're firing stuff at them and and they're they're answering questions and there's that whole dynamic and, and when i was talking to them i told each of them i was like it was so strange because they I, you know i'm almost 20 years older than some of them in some cases or 15 years older and, and i felt like i was talking citizen to citizen and we were going back and forth and and just the the conversation at such an intellectual level was so great and so intense and and there were things we agreed on there were things we didn't agree on which i thought was even cooler um, and some of the things that we didn't agree on, we were able to talk through and, and the anxieties around it. And, 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 oh, it was, it was great. It was mind blowing considering, you know, I'm, like I said, I'm in my mid thirties and you're talking to someone who's 19, 20 years old and they're, they're sharing their thoughts and it's probably better than anything I came up with. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Yeah. So Dan and I both, if, if you've been listening, I talk a lot about the press conferences. We're both two of the guys that are in almost every press conference that we can get to. They're all via Zoom this year. Now, Dan and I, we can share a quick story before we jump into Syracuse. Uh, we've, we've all fallen victim to uh, the forgetting to shut our mute button off, or turning the mute button, yeah, unmuting oh. ourselves. Um, and the joke has been, and Jeff Halfley's in on it now, he thinks it's hilarious, um, that we're going to start a fund uh, you know, with the last person to, to break the rule was is going to get the money because we've all had different moments where Dan, I think Dan got nailed, I think last week. Yep. And, and I, it, it, I've only gotten hit a few times during the summer, but I have to admit my bigger issue is that I have my son running around. So if you are listening and you're like, why isn't AJ talking? It's because if I t- unmute myself, my two year old is going to scream, Halfley at coach Halfley through the whole thing. So <laughs> well, I, I got to take some professionalism there. <laughs> I, I just said, you know, with zoom, I, I was worried about like, cause I shut the door to my office room. We're all at home. I'm waiting for the time that my wife like turns the corner and comes in and then I'm like, no, 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 no. Get out. And I'm, I'm, I'm unmuted when it happens. <laughs> and, and then I got to explain to a division one power football conference coach. Why in the ACC, why my wife is coming into the press conferences. Yeah. It's, it's a challenge. Which, She'd probably ask better questions than I do. She's better at basketball. I have no problem admitting this under any circumstance. She's my basketball wizard and my, and my, uh, one of my editors at home. So it's like, she'd yep. probably be, here, you take the headset. It's all yours, honey. Well, I, I have my wife over my co- my shoulder going, you just said, what do you think? Like three times. Can you <laughs> like, Thanks. <laughs> Thanks. This is the inside, inside editorial staff of, uh, of what happens in the, in the BC media sphere. Yeah, exactly. I'm sure you guys are fascinated by this. So Dan's here to talk about Syracuse and Dan had an article on uh, Eagle Eagles unlimited today talking about the history of the rivalry. We, I talked a little bit about that in our opening segment, 
about this being a, a, a series that's gone on for 90, I think it's 96 years. Um, and this is the 53rd uh, edition of the rivalry game. So Dan, what did you, you know, when you were researching this and looking at Boston College and Syracuse, what were some of the big moments that you noticed, whether it was for Syracuse and some of the big moments they had over us, uh, over BC, or, or the other way around? You know, I go back to, to the 80s, uh, you know, and I know everyone goes back to the 80s. We love the 80s. Like, it was, it was a magical time for, for BC was the, the fact that there always seemed to be something hanging on the game when they played. Like, I went back, I found 1979, BC was only a two-win team, but scored 20 points in the fourth quarter and beat Syracuse 27-10 and took away Syracuse's tangerine bit. Three years later, Doug Flutie actually beat Syracuse 20 to 13, completed three passes in the last 100 seconds of the game, had, had not completed a pass in the first half, went seven for 23, but because he beat Syracuse, he went to the Tangerine Bowl. So it was kind of ironic that the Tangerine Bowl was hanging in there. And then Syracuse got revenge the next year in 1983. Flutie won in 1984 at Foxborough Stadium. Uh, then you got down to the Big East, and, and the Big East came to being. And it just felt like every time BC played Syracuse, there was something hanging on the line, and the other team managed to make a game out of it. The, the one that really stuck out to me that I learned about was 92 um the which was those first two weird informal big east they kept records but the, nobody played around robin uh bc got that blowout fake punt try not to talk about it too much game against notre dame but still had a shot at the fiesta bowl if they could have beaten syracuse and lost 27 to 10 sent them to the hall of fame bowl that nobody wanted to go to uh you know or were disappointed with i'm sure they wanted to go to the game but they were disappointed with it um lost 28 23 to tennessee in that bowl game it's kind of that that bittersweet feeling but they had a chance to go to the fiesta bowl uh and then you go a few years later we'll go 12 years later uh and fiesta bowl tends to be a thing apparently where that <laughs> came up in the game that must never be named in 2004 um when bc had a chance to win the big east on the way out the door and uh and diamond ferry happened so when we come back we're going to talk about that game because i have some questions for dan so stay tuned we're going to be right back to talk oh. more about diamond ferry oh all right pause all right, we're back with Dan Rubin here to talk about Syracuse, and we're going to go to that that sore spot. We're going to talk about – Oh, we're doing it. We're going to talk about Diet Ferry. So, Dan, before I get your thoughts on this, I can remember this was – you know, I'll give you some history on me. I, I, I married a BC girl, and we were dating, and she was there in the marching band, and I was sitting with my in-laws in the I, – if I remember correctly, it was freezing cold that day. And I just remember watching that game going, what the heck am I watching? <laughs> because it, it was Matt Ryan's first game as a starter. I think Paul, Peter, Paul Peterson got hurt the week before, or was it Quentin Porter? I, I think it was Quentin Porter uh, Quentin. 2004. I believe it was Porter. Porter gets hurt the week before. Matt Ryan comes in, and he, he does not look like the Matty Ice that you see now. And I just watched that game, and I remember back then, you know, I'm in my 20s going, this was BC's big chance and they just blew it. And it was one of those moments that as a Boston college fan at that point, it just ripped my soul out. Now, Dan, when you watched that game, you were there, right? Yep. Sitting right up there with my dad. Like we did for like we've done for, for 20 something years. So t tell me your, your takeaways from the diving fair. So, 
it's okay. So right off the bat, this is this is pain. This is true pain in every sense of the word. Like every time you mention the name, like you said, I was like, oh no, it's coming. I like like oh, it's coming. So I remember very vividly the first play. Dominique Rhodes like ripped off. I think it was sixty yards. He ripped off that touchdown run, and it was it was it was incredible. It was a great run. But he hit that track. Remember, there was that track that went around mm-hmm. the alumni stadium or whatever it was, and he slipped. And I think he, it was either a hamstring or a calf or something. He goes over the, the sidelines. And, like, he looked uncomfortable when you, watched him, when you watched him run off, and you're like, something's not right here. And I remember looking at my dad and going, who's the backup running back? Because Dominique Rhodes was very good. And he looked at me and he goes, I don't know. And then you saw it come running out. It was this kid, number 22, and like we're scrambling through the, the thing. And I go, oh, it's Diamond Ferry. And my dad goes, uh-oh. <laughs> I will never forget it as long as I live. He just looked at me, and he was like, uh, in trouble. And I like looked at him, and I was like, that's the kid from Everett. Like, Everett, Massachusetts. I'm from Malden originally, so like I grew up Malden, Everett, big rivals in the GBL. I love Everett, um, you know, from now that I've moved away. Like, I got that soft spot of the whole old greater Boston League, and I love Everett High School. Um, and I, I saw Diamond come out, and I, like, I was, I was stunned. And it was like, oh, this is not good. And he played, I will just, uh, like, out of his mind. Uh, it, was, it was something, and, and you saw what was happening, and it was like a bad nightmare that I just couldn't stop in, in as it was happening and it was it was tough and when it when it finished the way that it, it did you know and he had what touchdowns on offense you had the interception and you had a punt return in there too yep. he played like a man possessed and for me that will always be the the hardest the hardest loss I think ever and, and, it, and it should be because when you think of of what was at stake you were leaving the Big East there were a lot of bitter feelings back then, and especially with a team like Syracuse. People thought the spot was going to go to Syracuse. It went to Boston College. Syracuse kind of got left behind, even though arguably they had a, a better run in the 90s for, by, for sure uh, in the Big East. Uh, I mean, they, they were the one team that I think supplanted uh, Virginia Tech and Miami, and they weren't there. And then you they win on the way out the door or, or, or kick bc out the door with that oh, loss and it was oh i mean bc and syracuse both moved on to 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 i like to say bigger things i wouldn't necessarily call it better things at yep. times but bigger and better things and and it just will forever be the the one that got away and and i don't care how old i get i'm not sure i can ever forgive diamond for what he did to the hometown that was that was so brutal, and and you know BC had their chances. Of course, a couple of years later, they get to the ACC championship with Matt Ryan, and then two thousand eight. But that was that was their moment. You you it was you know Syracuse was down. It was a game that it was just served to them on a platter, and they just couldn't get through it. So now let's we got a few more questions, Dan. Before I let you go, now we one we were talking with Jeff Halfley and some of the players this week about the Syracuse BC rivalry. And I think it's one of those unique rivalries in that Syracuse, BC, and maybe you can consider like Pitt or Rutgers are really the, in Penn State, are like really the only Northeast schools. BC and Syracuse have a great rivalry. What do you think that rivalry means for, you know, the, the growth of college football in this area? 
I love it. I, I mean, I know. Uh, so I know when when we talk about BC and we talk about the rivals, Notre Dame always occupies that special place, like that n- number one. It's almost like an intercity rivalry because Notre Dame's so popular in Boston and and, and with with the Irish culture and, and Catholic school, and rightfully so. I think that's always going to be your your number one um, in terms of of when you're trying to think of what a rival should be. You don't play Notre Dame every year though, and uh, you do your best to get them on the schedule. I think uh, if you're bo- either school, but at the same time, you know, Syracuse is that team. It's long-standing. It's old. Like that rivalry goes back. I think the only rivalry that might be older than it is Holy Cross, and and Holy Cross isn't a rival at this point. They're they're a they're an FCS school, and and yeah, it's great when they play each other. But you know, nobody's really you know under any assumptions of what happens when an FBS team plays an FCS team. Uh, if an FBS team, let alone an ACC school, loses, it's an upset. Um, Syracuse and BC play each other every year and there's division rights and it feels like that old Big East it feels like that Eastern rivalry that it was for years and years and and the the line that I used was was you know the ACC's realignment when Pittsburgh came in and Syracuse came in nationalized a a league that we all recognize as a southern league centered in Tobacco Road centered in in Georgia and later on in Florida when Florida State joined and then Miami joined, uh, Virginia Tech in Virginia. Um, It's not a a quote-unquote Northern League when people think about the ACC. Adding those Big East schools nationalized it and made it a more national league. But when you get to play Syracuse every year, you get that little bit of Northeast parochialism. You think of it and you're saying, all right, it's cold out. It's it's going to be gross out. It's going to be cold. It's going to be possibly snowing. I remember they played Syracuse the Saturday after Thanksgiving, and there were uh, guys who were a lot braver than I was standing in the snowfall. There were flurries, and they had no shirts on at the game. They were going nuts. It was great. And the, the, carrier, you, the carrier dome, you play indoors in Syracuse, but you're only separated by four and a half hours. Boston and New York. Yes, upstate New York or central New York, not necessarily New York City, but, you know, it's still New York. It's still – you know, a lot of people in central New York are, are Yankee fans and, and mm-hmm. you, you play that whole part, the big East, you get that every year in one game. And it is our answer up here in the Northeast. When you look at those schools, the Rutgers, the temples, the, the Pittsburgh's, the Penn States, BC and Syracuse is the one that with a little bit of a 10 year interlude um, when the teams were in different leagues, but ultimately they go back together and you have that nice northeast boom rock'em sock'em robot rivalry to show off to the rest of the country. Yeah, you know, I I've always enjoyed. I th- it, it, it's always a good except for last year. It feels like it's always a a competitive game or something happens that you just don't expect. And I think that's what you get out of a rivalry is that especially in college football, you look at records and I I I have a podcast that I really like called the solid verbal and they have a rule when they're doing their picks that you take the records and throw them out the window when it comes to a rivalry game, because it, it, there's different levels of emotion and there's an intensity that a team like Syracuse, who's right now one in six could just jump up and smack BC because they want that more. And that could just happen because it's a rivalry game and you get that kind of feel. Oh, absolutely. 100%. I, I agree 100%. And let me tell you something. I know guys who went to Syracuse and, and let me tell you something. I'm going into Saturday's game and they're going into Saturday's game and neither one of us want to wake up to the text message on Sunday that says that's got the trash talk in it. 
Yeah. So Dan, before I let you go, I have one more question. This is not a, well, it's a Syracuse question. One of the other things, so we've already talked about the, the press conferences and we have, the, we have the mute jar. The other thing that you can always depend on at a BC press conference with Jeff Hathley is Dan asking questions about schemes or X's and O's. Jeff, Jeff Hathley, <laughs> Hathley is, is, gives, a, gives, a, gives Dan some crap about that, saying he feels like he's coaching him. Um, now, you asked him about the up-tempo offense this week. And I want to know from your perspective, you know, you have your own takes. Are you a fan of the up-tempo offense? Because obviously, as Jeff said, uh, Halfley said, you know, there's positives and negatives to it. Because if it's positive, you can, you can make a team and you can run them off the field. On the negative side, you can be getting your defense on the field in 35 seconds. What are your – are you a fan of it, Dan? Well, I kind of have to eat crow over it because, uh, you know, everyone thinks go fast air raid or, or whatever you want to call it. Um, the go fast air raid, the actual true traditional air raid. I once said that there was no way that when the Kansas City Chiefs, this is a direct quote, took a Big 12 quarterback, that it was a dumber decision than when the Bears traded up one pick to get the quarterback that they wanted. And I realized I really liked Mitchell Trubisky, and I thought that was a bad pick for the way that they went about it. But then I turned around, and I was like, yeah, the only team that did something that was a dumber decision was when uh, the Kansas City Chiefs took that Mahomes kid from the, from the Big 12. <laughs> yep. I will never live that down. And, I, and that is, that is well-documented that I said that. Yep. Um, now, that said, and that said, it is proof that I know nothing about football. Um, the up-tempo offense is interesting to me because I really – I like it. I, I think it's a good offense for a team if it can execute. And when I say if it can execute, it really needs the personnel. It's really good at getting young kids involved, the freshmen and the sophomores, because you, you could just play. It's just – it's schoolyard football. They call running plays. They call passing plays. It's balanced, especially at Syracuse. It's balanced. I'm, I'm not necessarily talking air raid. I'm talking go fast. And they can, they can do some really interesting things with it. The problem that I run into in my personal opinion of it is that if you cannot get those first downs and if you cannot consistently complete passes, I, I think sometimes you do have to dial it back because if you're only completing 45 or 40% of your passes, you're either going to force balls into bad spots, which creates interceptions, or you're going to throw incompletions, which creates fourth quick three and outs neither one of those is conducive to your team's defense so in the in the balance and in the sinking of, of both sides I don't hate it I would say that I like it in the event you have the personnel to do it which Syracuse historically has had they are struggling with pieces of it this year to do it consistently but you know it doesn't mean that they can't show up on one any given Saturday or, or make this the week that everything comes together. So I like it, but I like it under the assumption that the personnel can, can execute it consistently and make it work to pile up the points that they need. Thank you. Yeah. I, you know, I, it's when you talk to football fans and coaches, you get different perspectives. And I know Halfley said, I, I liked how he said it, you know, for his, his, his offense with Frank Signetti, they can get into that style if they have to. And that's part of that pro style multifaceted offense that Signetti does. And I, and I think that's a testament to the, the originality and the way that they're able to do that offense. I, I, I personally like that. I think that it's great that, you know, if they need Dracovic to go out there and push tempo, they can do it. 
But otherwise, they're more content to eat clock like they were doing against Clemson and drag games out if they have to. Um, but we'll see what happens on Saturday. So, Dan, thank you for coming on today. You can follow Dan on Twitter, Dan Rubin on Twitter, at BC Dan Rubin. He's a writer for bceagles.com for Eagles Unlimited. Uh, Dan, thank you for coming on. Hey, uh, my pleasure. And uh, I tell you what, though, next time we'll we'll limit we'll limit our diamond references. But I'm I'm more than happy to to come on whenever uh, talk some football. Like you said, I I love talking football. I'm just a just an old coot like that. All right, thank you for coming on, Dan. So tomorrow we're gonna have on uh, Eric Hofsis to talk um, predictions. We're gonna look at the Syracuse game. We're gonna break down the offense defense. Uh, so make sure that you are following Locked On Boston College for all of your um, you know your post game and and game analysis we'll be back tomorrow uh, this is aj black you can follow me on twitter at aj black underscore bc you can follow my site at boston college as i am the writer and publisher of boston college for sports illustrated again we thank thank you for dan rubin for joining us today and we will join you again tomorrow for our final recap uh, our final review and preview of the syracuse game coming up thank you everyone <laughs>